to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing... Um, Sammy, explain yourself, sir. What are we reviewing? All right. We are going to be looking at a screen gem. A, a just perfect example of science fiction at its core. <laughs> and that is the 1980s Flash Gordon. <laughs> it yeah. is science fiction, and it is a core. I'm not quite sure what, <laughs> but I love this movie regardless. Uh, so when we uh, invited Sam on to the show, we had a couple of slots that were kind of flexible. And, and we wasted be... them all. A wrap the con is a good one. <laughs> and uh, you know, give, give him a few choices. So this is one of them, and I actually uh, seconded Sammy on this uh, emotion. So uh, let's let's discuss. Night. Hey, Jamie likes the soundtrack. Great soundtrack. You can't yeah. go wrong with Queen. You can't go wrong with Queen. And truly, for the set designs, for the characters, for the flamboyance of this movie, could you have had another band? To pull it was this a good fit. It was yeah. a oh, definitely. For what it was, I mean, they, they couldn't have, have chosen better. I, I could have seen, like, Queen performing on in Ming's throne room. I mean, it would have just fit. It, it totally. would have fit entirely, you know, especially with the, with the opening scene with all the costumes, all the flamboyance. Uh, being a young man watching this, uh, you know, uh, it raised a lot of questions, among other things. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, so, you know, it, it, it was a very interesting movie to, to view. Uh, you know, you have such thespians in here as uh, Sam Jones, Melody Anderson, Topol. You know, and then you get to the real talent, Brian Blessed, Timothy Dalton, and Max von Sydow. Or Sidow, however you say that. I, I don't know. I mean, guys, I, mean, I don't want to ruin this for you, but like, I, I didn't see this movie until I was an adult. And so I never saw this movie with young eyes. And so I, I think that's going to change like how we, all three of us have received this movie. I think both of you all saw this very young. And I never had the childhood viewing of this thing. Okay, it's like this. Five-year-old Sammy was sitting in the movie theater watching this. Okay. <laughs> you all, and two other people? All five-year-old Sammy saw was spaceships... And Flash Gordon, who he already knew because his uncle collected comic books and talked about old comics, and I knew Flash Gordon. That's all I saw. Now, obviously, as an adult going back and looking at this a little bit more critically, yeah, it's definitely got some <laughs> holes in it. <laughs> this is Swiss cheese in a lot of ways. But uh, I think I think the plot firmness on here is much like the ground – on Mongol, it's just not even there. <laughs> Everything's this just thing's in got more holes than the tree truck they were sticking their arms in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but do keep this in mind. Did you all notice who wrote the screenplay? I I, I noticed that. I, I did I did okay. some research. Batman. <laughs> you got it. Lorenzo Simple Jr. wrote the screenplay for this, and he is known for his work with Batman 66. 
So I think you can definitely see kind of delineate a line from the Batman television show through what really it is almost kind of an homage, I think in some ways, but an over the top homage. I think it's meant to be satire. Well, I think part of the part of the, the plot hole problem too is that they actually kind of had two scripts and they were trying to jam them together. Yeah. And like one of the scripts was a full on comedy. The other one was like, let's rip off Star Wars, do an action adventure movie. And the director himself couldn't figure out how to fit them together and just shrugged and filmed them both. <laughs> and they just edited it again. And like the script never fit together. And yeah, and they put them together and it was what it was. And you know, an interesting thing too, you know, Flash Gordon, like Sam had mentioned, you know, as being a comic book character is also really famous for like the forties and fifties serials that Cereal, George Lucas yeah. fell in love with mm-hmm. and actually tried to get the rights to Flash Gordon along with Dune, uh, you know, and then he decided he would just make Star Wars because he couldn't do it. And well, as we said earlier, this came out in 1980, along with such sci-fi classics as, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture. But also another little film that came out in 1980 was um, uh, b- 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 Empire Strikes Back, I think. Yes. Something like that. And Why this was that out- a harder pull than Star Trek, the motion picture? <laughs> and this and- <laughs> And this comes out on the heels of Battlestar Galactica uh, and the Buck Rogers television show. Very much so. You have all of these. So when Star Wars broke bad, then you have Battlestar Galactica, which is a direct Star Wars ripoff. You have Buck Rogers taking that character, you know, who is kind of a Flash Gordon-ish character also. And then Flash, you know, all hitting the big and small screens. Which I don't know if this is so much as a Star Wars ripoff or if it's just like – coattail rider because it doesn't really feel like star wars but i don't think this gets made without star wars yeah you know you mentioned buck rogers you know flash gordon originally was even created because of the popularity of buck rogers Mm -hmm. so rogers came first and uh king features uh wanted their own kind of version of buck rogers and so alex uh, raymond created flash gordon so I think we see a lot of the similar types of motivations here, even in, in the 80s. But I think a lot of it goes back to exactly like you said, the popularity of Star Wars. Yeah, everybody wanted to make a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I got another question before. We need to get into the thoughts and grades. But I've, got, I've got a question. Okay, so when they wrote this script and filmed it, who did they think they were making this movie for? Small children or adults? Because there are swaths of this movie that I would not want my children seeing. Yeah, there's some characterizations, some visuals, and some some things that's really kind of questionable for young eyes. But you have to keep in mind also, this thing was probably filmed late, you know, written and filmed 78, 79, released in 1980. And this is a height of the disco. I mean, this movie is so thick. There's so much, you know, nylon, polyester, and I would even go to say cocaine. On here, I've got that, a coke it's joke just, on my notes. Uh, you know, but it's just, it is what it is, and it's it's that era, you know. This it's, thing feels like they wrote the script inside Studio 54 with a pound of coke mixed to the paper. That's what it feels like to me. Well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that not a few of the actors were pretty blitzed. Uh, during their scenes, if, 
if you've dealt with anyone who's kind of coked out before, you can kind of look at them and say, oh, that's that look on the face. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, we, we, we've, we've loved on this thing and we've torn apart a little bit. So let's get into our, our, our true thoughts as far as like Jamie said, you know, what's some grades here? What, what are we going to throw down for numbers? Sam, this was your baby. This was your pick. So you lead us out. What do we have? All right. So even though, like I said, there are, you know, this movie is Swiss cheese in terms of plot. Um, I still, for nostalgia and everything that it still does, I still have to give it a B minus, I think. I still have to go in that B range for me. I can still sit and watch this again over and over. I can laugh. I can jeer. But I can continue to watch it. Jamie. Okay. I've got two jokes. We've already, Dwayne already ruined a couple of my jokes. I've got two (laughs) jokes I need to tell. Um, The the studio 54 joke was longer. You kind of ruined it. Um, Okay. As I was watching this thing, the thing that kept hitting me was how cheesy it was. And so my joke is that this thing is so cheesy. I wanted to slap it between two slices of bread and grill it. It was tough to get through. And it kind of, and at points, it reminded me of two other movies that I actually like. Um, and it, you know, you know, sometimes when like two celebrities will get married and have a kid, and somehow like the two beautiful people have an ugly kid. That's what this feels like. It feels like Dune and Big Trouble in Little China, two beautiful things, got together and had this ugly baby and named it Flash Gordon. I'm going C minus. Um, Ooh. I, I didn't enjoy watching this movie and I can't imagine ever watching it again on purpose. But you have it purchased now, sir. (laughs) Yes. And my wife has now listened to me make all of the jokes I had in my notes. And now she actually wants to watch it. It may make me watch it again. Yes. 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 (laughs) Yeah. C minus. And I feel like I'm being nice and I've got one gigantic fan. That pulled this thing probably from an F plus all the way up to a C minus. Plus to a C minus. Well, that's great. Uh, well, I'm in the same exact boat that Sam is. This is a B minus. I know our grading system is, you know, A awesome, B above average, C kind of cool, you know, D don't watch, and F is flea. So, uh, you know, I'm going with the B minus because this is, it's kind of cool, but it's above average for what it is, just because I think it. It just, it can't be anything else. I don't know that it intentionally owned it, but it just can't be anything else. So if it, for what it is, it's, it's great in my eyes. Every bit of that is code for, it's not any good, but I like it anyway. (laughs) And and that would probably be a more succinct uh, way to say what I was trying to say. (laughs) You know, I, yeah. <laughs> Might not be rock and roll, but I like it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So now that our thoughts and grades are kind of out of the way, are we ready to get into these pans? Let's fan first. And fans. And, I, and, let, and let me go first, please. Okay. I've only got one. Get your <laughs> one out of the way. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you I what. If, if, if our audience can hold for a brief moment of tension we'll be right back 
Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. I need to go first, guys. I'm sorry. I know I'm being, um, you know, assertive here, overly probably, but I've only got the one. I can't let you steal it. <laughs> okay, please, uh, please share. Okay, the there's an Italian person. Uh, some of those Italian names you can't tell if they're male or female. Um, and this is uh, Danilo something or other. Um, they did the co- one person did all of the costuming and all of the sets. Those mm. are fan. Fantastic. Uh, I'm unreserved. I'm a fan of the costuming and the sets of this movie. It looks fantastic. Um, it looks cr- super creative. Um, it's a shame there weren't better actors in those costumes. That <laughs> 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 have better lines to say or more interesting things to do on those sets. But it looked great. Um, and that that's and that pulled all the way up from completely unwatchable to like it's at least interesting to look at most of the time. Even if I'm not yeah. trying so hard not to look at Sam J. Jones and looking at <laughs> everything around him, but yeah, that's a big fan for me. I did really, I was really impressed. You know, and I agree with Jamie totally on that. You know, the these sets were pure science fiction glam rock. I mean, they were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just pure late seventies, early eighties glam rock, flat out, and they were just beautiful they were so well designed and so intricate and like i said i mean i really think this is an homage back to those really early days of film and science fiction and you had these types of sets you know even in the you know the 40s and 50s so to bring that here i totally agree with jamie that that was on my list also the sets were fantastic and they, they they actually borrowed some of these from uh, Joe Dorowski's Dune. Mm. That's very I, interesting. I, I, and there's one ship that I'm willing to bet, like the uh, Warhammer Ajax. Ajax. <clears throat> I bet that was designed for Dune. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it just kind of has that look from uh from like from the way the Lynch movie looked. I, I could see that being like one of like the Emperor's hopper, like it was the hoppers they had or something. I could see that yeah. being in a Dune movie. Oh, well, that's neat. Yeah, that, I mean, as far as a fan goes, you, you're you totally right, both of you. You know, say, uh, Jamie, as you went first, the costumes, the set design, this movie is gorgeous, beautiful to look at. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched this movie more than once in preparation over the last couple of weeks. I'm also not going to lie to you that more than once watching that was on mute. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, just kind of doing something else, sit on in the background, is just on the wall. But this is such a gorgeous movie. You sometimes can't take your eyes off of it. The colors, uh, and even the characters being so striking. You know, uh, you know the the princess is, you know, she's stunningly beautiful. You know, Timothy Dalton, uh, Brian Blessed as as a Prince Voltaire, you know, the Hawk Man, Emperor Ming. Uh, Max von Sydow, you know, he is constantly with that with that shiny bald head, or sometimes with a with the helmet on and those funky eyebrows, you know, just just owning and and chewing up the scenery. Yeah, 
so that's 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 a great fan. Well, I guys, think I'm, gonna re- I'm done. So I'm gonna Jamie, the kitchen. Uh, I'll come back you, for the pans. Okay, bring, <laughs> me a, bring me a grilled cheese as well. So uh, <laughs> get the, <laughs> okay, Sam, right. what would you like to uh, to fan there a little bit? Since Jamie's all done, he's gonna take him a nap. You know, I mean, for one thing, obviously, as soon as the movie comes on, you have a, it becomes a visual spectacle. You've got Queen's music in the background and you've got Alex Raymond's artwork. They're going straight back to the original, uh, you know, kind of daily comic strips in the newspapers and going straight to Alex Raymond's art. And it's just it's so beautiful. Uh, you know, his, his art, you know, just in general, as far as his design and his and the anatomy and stuff like that was just spot on in those those comic strips. And so to see that automatically as a comic fan drew me in, you know, and like I said, Queen didn't you know, that didn't exactly hurt either to go straight in with that. <laughs> but that artwork of the intro that 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 sold me. It yeah. felt very Marvel to me, like they inspired Marvel to do their intro that way. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell that they took the comic and owned that, you know, this is what it is. Here's the logo and this is what you're gonna get. Dwayne, did you have anything you wanted to highlight? Uh yeah, of course, you know, Sam touched on it just a bit, but the the uh the soundtrack uh, by our great beloved queen uh you know just fits so well with this and uh you know you have the uh the huge orchestrations of of brian may uh you know roger deacon roger or deacon and taylor and freddie mercury just just the sonic landscapes that they create and uh you know being being a musician you know the music gets me cranking in this movie a lot of times and you know, you, if you ever get a chance, I would encourage anyone in our audience to look at, you know, how Brian May created his instrument and how unique it is and how uniquely he plays it. And that just fits so well with this unique movie, uh, you could say. <laughs> now, I, now I, I, I'm going to bring up a connected point there. I think I, after watching this movie, I've realized I've made a mistake in my life. I should, during my wedding ceremony, there should have, there should have been a Brian May solo going on. Um, I feel like there was some, yeah. Brian May playing the wedding march. Yeah. I'm like, that's just beautiful. I know Ming's being awful right now, but it's just beautiful getting over with Brian May playing your music in the background. So, yeah. Yeah, but you know, speaking of the set design, uh, you know, I, I, I want to touch on a couple things here real quick. I mean, how each environment and each culture kind of had their own thing. You know, you have, uh, you know, Timothy Dalton, I guess, you know, Robin Hood character, you know, they're living in the foresty swamps there, um, you know, and the hawk men in the floating city and how, um, and even as, you know, even though the actors weren't that great, I was noticing on my last watch through how the guys in the Hawkman costumes, they were, you know, kind of bobbing their heads from side to side quickly like a bird would, you know, kind of tilt the head, you know, and then they would, a couple of them would be bouncing up and down in the background or just kind of the way they would move. It was like, oh, these guys are really trying to get into it here. Did you notice during the uh, the final battle when a couple of them died, they tried to do bird screams when they died? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that as they were as they would you know swooping down toward the ship, they would get shot and you would hear the birds squawk, you know. Yeah. 
See, that's one of my problems with this movie. I end up laughing at it more often than I'm laughing when I'm supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, you uh and, and I and I would say, Jamie, even more than laughing at it, sometimes you're laughing with it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like some of the times I was laughing, I wasn't supposed to be laughing. <laughs> No, it's humorous all the way through. So, I mean, it's okay to laugh. I don't think it's supposed to be humorous in all of these scenes, though. <laughs> it just is. Once again, Lorenzo Simple Jr., I think it was meant <laughs> to be humorous. I think it's supposed to be satire. I really do. So, <laughs> I don't know. I heard, I heard different stories as I was doing research for this one. I, I think this was an effort maybe to tell a serious story for the first time. I just don't know that he had it in him. <laughs> You know, it's, you it's really, one, he's got one gear. He's got one gear. Yeah. And it's so strange. Like even the, the honesty of storytelling, I guess, you know, just, just this straightforward, let's just tell it like it is. And it just translated so awkwardly on the screen, you know, much like the Batman 66, you know, it just, it just, you know, let's just tell this comic story and, you know, he kind of lifted straight from the page and, you know, it translated so awkwardly onto the screen. It was so much fun though. It truly was so much fun. Sam, do you have any more pans? I know Jamie's out. Um, no, I, I've, I've got a few more fans here. I really do. Oh, sure. um, okay. You know, one of my biggest in this movie, in all honesty, is Brian Blessed. And I can remember back, like I said, five-year-old little Sammy sitting there in the movie theater. Prince Voltan just cracked me up. I love the fact that he plays so over the top. And that's just Brian Blessed. That's yeah, what he I don't brings think he has another gear. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only gear the man knows, okay? Uh, even, you know, he was even a character in a Sixth Doctor story. He played King Urkanos, and he acts the same exact way as Voltan did. And that, mo- that, that episode was six years later, you know, that <laughs> he's still playing the Hawkman. But I loved that character. There's just something about him. Uh, the the little snarky things when he's sitting there during, you know, and he's bopping people over the head and just kind of mm-hmm. laughing about it the whole time. There was just something that was so fun about that character. Uh, and every time I watch it, you know, like I said, from five years old up, I've loved that character probably above any other characters in this. Is there just something about him? You're probably talking about when they were playing uh, football in the throne room. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) Wrong wrong part of the show, guys. We're going to get to that. Um, (laughs) uh, I do admire the fact, though, that a man with a body um, shape very similar to my own was willing to walk around in a uh, leather Speedo with gold (laughs) wings glued to his back. That confidently. I admired that. Yep. I don't think, just like I said earlier, I don't think he has another gear. And, you know, even <laughs> Sam referred to his role in The Doctor six years later, but even we get him 20 years later in Star Wars Episode One as Boss Nass. Oh, yeah. And he's still <laughs> over the top. <laughs> I didn't know that was the same guy. <laughs> Explains a lot, doesn't it, Jamie? Yep. Dots are connected. <laughs> Um, now, Sam, I know uh, uh, in my little mind canon here, I know you're a DC guy. I was always under the impression that the Hawkman we have in DC Comics may have possibly been, you know, of this dimension, you know, of, of, of the Hawkman, of Prince Voltan and Flash Gordon. Well, actually, it, you know, it was Voltan that 
um, inspired, I, I can't remember the guy's name now, Dennis Neville that created Hawkman in Flash Comics 1, it was the Hawkman in Flash Gordon that inspired him to create that character. Okay. So no. if you look at the, yes, if you look at the original <laughs> designs, yeah, really, I know. If you look at the original <laughs> designs, now they change in issue two. Uh, Shel Sheldon Maldoff takes over in issue two, changes the look completely. Mm. But if you look at Flash Comics 1 at the first appearance of Hawkman, Carter Hall Hawkman, you know, the designs that, that were used there come straight from... Um, like I said, Alex Raymond's designs of, of the Hawkman in Flash Gordon. So, there was a yep. lot of borrowing in that area oh, yeah. of comics. Though. All over, <laughs> yeah. Time. Better believe that. All over. Um, uh, another fan of mine, real quick, uh, before we move on, um, is the cast. And I know the cast isn't the greatest, you know, of casts, but, you know, we do have some really super talent. You know, uh, Timothy Dalton, I'm sure this is pretty early in his career. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Brian Blessed, uh, some of these other great actors. But I remember watching some of these old, um, you know, action movies from this era. And you see a lot of familiar faces, you know, where faces are visible, you know, in the uh, in, you know, the, uh, you know, Baron's realm, you know, in the Arborea and in the Hawkmen and things. And I know in Ming's realm, you really don't have a lot of faces, a lot of masks, things. But you really see a lot of familiar faces. Oh, I've seen this guy in that movie or this guy's from the you know, something else, but there's a lot of, a lot of guys that's kind of circled in that era. Yeah. Definitely. yeah there, was, there was a lot of those. Hey, I know that guy guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. <laughs> not this was Timothy Dolan's first movie, wasn't it? Cause he'd been like in uh, British stage before this. Mm -hmm. I think this was his first time on I, film, right? I think this is, pre if not his first, just very early. Let's let's uh, early, yeah. let's let's IMDb that real quick. If only there were a way we could find out. If only there were a way. See all filmography. Okay. So while Dwayne's doing that, I'll go ahead and throw in my um, one more fan that I have. Despite the fact that his acting is uneven, I think Sam Jones looked the part. He looked like Flash Gordon. Okay. When you, like I said, he he fit that part, especially for what they were going for in this movie. Um, and Jamie had mentioned something about thinking, feeling like you know these two beautiful people made an ugly baby. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned Big Trouble in Little China. They wanted Kurt Russell first. I know, I, and I saw that. He couldn't do it. Uh, and Schwarzenegger wanted it and got turned down because of his accent. Yeah. So, <laughs> So, you know, but I think Sam Jones, as far as visually fit this part, like I said, especially for what they were going for. Yeah, I think it would have been, I mean, I've got I've got a huge soft spot for Kurt Russell. I think everybody who's listened to our show from the beginning knows that. Um, but I, I think I think when Kurt Russell's in a silly part, he gets it and he rolls with it. I don't I think Sam Jones thought. I don't. I think he thought he was in a different movie than everybody else did. Or, or I mean, or, I'm not. You know what? I take that back. I think everybody but Brian Blessed thought they were making a different movie than what they were making. <laughs> Zoltan knew what he was doing, and he went with it. Yep. Well, guys, Timothy Dalton is going back in his movie career back to 1966. Really? With TV movies, yeah. So okay. a lot, a lot of TV, a lot of maybe. Did not would say a family-friendly movies possibly before 1980, 
but this is probably his biggest role um, as far as a movie goes. And he is being quoted as saying directly that Flash Gordon was a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give him credit though. It does. I've seen I've seen Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford cash paychecks before. Timothy Dalton showed up for this movie. Um, yeah. He wasn't just cashing a paycheck. Yeah, he 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 showed up for work. He he truly yeah. showed up. For work. I know what it looks like when a good actor sleepwalks through a movie. Timothy Dalton wasn't doing that. Yeah, yeah, he was at least trying to do his job. So, uh, guys, are we ready to move on to um, our kitchen counters now and pull out the pans? I've got a lot more notes now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Jamie, why don't you lead us off with our pans since you've got so much to say? Okay. Um, this movie needs a better premise. I mean, for how the adventure starts. That's, for me, that's where it all, the problems begin. The first 20, 30 minutes of this movie are just one coincidence after another. I mean, okay, so he is the star quarterback of an NFL football team. The Jets. Well, yeah, it's, they're kind of a professional football team. I guess you're right. That's a good point. Um, I mean, it's NFL JV, I guess. But um, so he's just randomly staying at this random hotel that is so obscure that the that the the airport is on a grass field, a two person passenger jet that's not a private jet. It's just little, and he ends up flying it because I don't know. They jumped out. I don't know what happened to the. I don't know what happened to the pilots. Well, you see he's the hole in the windshield. Lesson. He just happens to land it. He happens to land it where the one guy with a spaceship just lands in his living room. He's too dumb to know there can't be a phone in that thing. That's clearly a spaceship and not a phone booth. They get in it. All you need to go to space is a seatbelt. You don't need a spacesuit. <laughs> Well, no, he had to hold his he had to hold his foot on the red pedal. On the red pedal, right? Yeah, and then they just happened to hit what a wormhole? I don't know what that was, and they just immediately crash land in Ming's like house where they're having tax day, where all of the people are just happened to be there for that. I mean, just one coincidence. I'm like, none of this makes any sense. None of these dots connect. I'm like. I was just like, I don't know. I was frustrated from the word go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there, there does happen to be a lot to go on there to align to bring them to where they, you know, end up. And that, uh, you know, they, they, they find the conspiracy theory guy who was able to build a spaceship. You know, they find, uh, you know, uh, he, you know, somehow knows how to fly a plane. Not so much land, he says. <laughs> you know, he had a lesson. That's pretty good. That's a nice coincidence, too. He had a listen. Um, but I mean, but you think about it. I mean, Flash Gordon is the hero, right? I mean, he's going to save the universe. I heard, uh, you know, Queen yeah. told me that. That's right. Um, save all of us. I heard That's that right. over and over again. Um, but if, you're, if we're setting him up as a hero, we need more than this. I mean, he just stumbles into his adventure. I mean, what if that Zarkov guy had, like, had been on that island with them and knew this was happening and said, look, I need someone to help me. I'm like, you're the only person. Will you accept this quest? Will you go on this adventure to help me save the Earth? And then Flash has to decide to do it. That's a different thing, right? Rather than just him stumbling into this guy's weird, bad scientist lab. 
Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny, too, that, like you said, there is this, you know, random hotel in the middle of nowhere, close to what could be an airfield, <laughs> and there happens to be a star quarterback and a reporter <laughs> staying there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a very amateur writer, very, very amateur writer. I knew that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that script needed another pass or two. Yeah. Yep, just a bit. Just a bit. So the, the setup is my first pan. I mean, it just, it's, it's, there's not enough there. Yeah. And how many, you know, I, and I guess I'll take, you know, one of my pans off of yours. And, and how many, you know, different uh, dimensions did Ming, you know, already destroy before he, you know, wound up on Earth? Because apparently this was kind of like his little hobby. You know, let's just see where our wormhole thing points us. Okay, let's just, you know, make random weather and mess with the moon and the sun there, you know. Okay, I've I've got a connected question to that. Hot hail. What's the story with hot hail? (laughs) Because everything else on that dashboard is a real thing, and they're just random. There's hot hail. What is that? I guess hot damn was already taken. Is that from the comics or something? I don't know. I figured there was some kind of story to that, and they never came back to it. No, they didn't. (laughs) Yeah, just raining fire from the sky in ice balls. (laughs) Is that like summer hail or something? I don't know. (laughs) I guess this is where George R.R. Martin got the idea for the Song of Ice and Fire. There you go. (laughs) If only he had Queen. All right. Oh, so, do you have any pans for this movie you love? I do, actually. I do have some pans. I'm proud um, of you. One of my biggest pans <laughs> is, and, and this may sound silly, and once again, this goes back to things that, that I love about Flash Gordon, is, you know, I told you I love Voltan, I love Prince Baron. But right at the beginning, during the, 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 the you know, everybody's bringing their, their tax, you know, stuff to Ming, as Jamie mentioned there. We've got Prince Thun, okay? And Prince Thun is the one that tries to kill Ming and gets killed, right? I was really, really disappointed. Prince Thun is a lion man. He was supposed to be a lion man, okay? The cartoon I watched growing up, lion man. I don't get that. But and the I floating was, ball from Phantasm froze him. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be a lion. I wanted to see that. I had the action figure of the Lion Man as a kid from the and Flash Gordon cartoon. And he was an important character in the comic book, wasn't he? He was. He was yeah. a major character. And to be brought in and killed off that quickly, I was disappointed by that. All right, um, I've got go. another one. I've got a big one. Um, the football scene. Um, but at the point that What's-Her-Face started doing the cheerleading thing, I was afraid somebody had spiked my diet, Dr. Pepper. I, I thought I had to be hallucinating. I couldn't believe that was really in the movie. You need spiked Dr. Pepper for this movie. <laughs> 
You need I thought 24. It already you need 24 flavors in that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's all just – I don't think that – I mean, these people were so artsy, they had never seen a football game. They don't know what a quarterback does. And who was throwing him the football back? Like, he would just throw it, and they would just somebody would toss it back to him. Who was doing that? I know once Zarkov did it once. They threw the ball like 20 times. Who was throwing that back to him? Somebody in the cloud. I love Clytus. Do it again. Yeah, Clytus calls the play. He's like, here, like, 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 like this. Like the fiend, like piece of lineman. I mean, what is going on? <laughs> They huddled. They literally huddled and Clytus called the play. I so wish we had a video feed on this because I think Sam's head is literally going to explode. (laughs) Oh my. Sam, take a breath, open the door. I I watch movies while I work out. And so I was working out watching this thing. And by the way, I put off the last second. I watched this thing this morning. Um, I watched it as late as I possibly could. And so I stopped. I I was mid mid like curl. I stopped and just stared at this scene. I couldn't believe what was happening. Yeah, it was there's insane. yeah, there's some really really crazy things that happen. You know, kind of really absurd. You know, the football scene being one. Um, I I I think another absurd scene is the execution. You know, let's bring him out in a leather speedo. <laughs> The leather you know. speed is my favorite part. My favorite part is whoever decorated the coffin with the movie logo on it. With the movie. Yes. <laughs> they had the Flash logo. Well, it's all before, about branding. Before he even started the revolt. I mean, they were, they were working it's on the all brand. about branding. Even his tank top he wore in the second half of the movie had the lightning bolt on its back. Yes. yes. And that was directly from, from, you know, Mongo here. So... Oh well, I'm 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 scrolling through the cast list, guys, and one thing caught my eyes: a, a lot of the dwarfs from Time Bandits are in this movie. Oh, Warwick Davis is in there. Old people. Yeah, a lot of the little people are in here. Yeah, so it's the great. Oompa from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, one of the Oompa Loompas. Uh, Warwick Davis, like I said. Uh, so there's there's a few of the. Uh, well, now I, I'm going to kick back to you with Warwick. I'm going to kick back with you with Warwick being in here. He's nowhere on here. And Warwick was only a, a 10 or 11 when they filmed uh, Return of the Jedi. I'm going I'm to. Well, while you're while you're doing that, I'm going to I'm going to kick something else here. Um. <laughs> so the 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 Robin Hood planet, which I referred to as not indoor the whole time I was looking at it. Um. Um. I don't understand anything that happened on that planet. Um, what was Princess Aura's plan, really? I'm going to take my boy toy to my boyfriend's planet and have him <laughs> guard him? <laughs> yeah, then, that was kind of awkward. Like, I mean, what was her goal? Like, what was the plan? And then, so Timothy Dalton was going to, like, throw him in the swamp, and then he was not going to throw him in the swamp. And then they did the dueling arm in the stump thing, which right. was long and drawn out and awkward. Like, what was the goal there? Did he want him to win? Did he want him to lose? I didn't understand what was happening there. Um, I was waiting for, like, Sam J. Jones to pull the scorpion out and throw it in his face or something. I didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> there. 
and it probably went on like too long but i just yeah. i mean that everything that happened on the planet was strange and i didn't understand what was going on like i didn't understand what anybody's goal was yeah it seemed like because uh, we come into uh, where a young man is uh, you know going through this right of manhood and it seems like a test of bravery or even honesty i guess uh, that this thing would judge you as you, know, you would put your arm in and, and either would either strike or not really kind of yeah like you said just not really well explained or they and you know and she's just using her um quote unquote womanly wiles on the doctor on the on the everyone guy, inside on you know yeah just any of the so <laughs> apparently she's got a little something something with uh, a little bit of everybody over there so uh <clears throat> But yeah, really, really a strange, you know, her thinking, like you said, uh, Jamie, let's take my boy toy to my boyfriend uh, so he can keep him safe and hide him from my dad, um, who that even seemed a really awkward relationship. Yeah, I tried not to focus on that. (laughs) A little strange, yes. Yeah, and and, and, you know, like being applied. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of weird as I was watching it again, you know, these last, actually last few times I watched it, I was like, okay, that's just kind of awkward, I, you know, just, just, you know, as you're getting old enough to realize what's truly being referred to there. So that's, yeah, the, the relationships are really, really not explained and not a lot of interaction here makes sense. Just to throw in real quick, you are correct, Dwayne, it wasn't Warwick Davis, Davis it was Kenny Baker. I knew it was there was a Star Wars connection, but and I pulled the wrong name, but it was yeah. Kenny Baker that was in there. So okay, okay, I've got, got another big one. I've got, <laughs> I've got another big one. I've got lot, lots of notes here, guys. Um, Go for it, dude. So the 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 reporter, what was her name again? Dale Arden. Dale Arden. Okay, so Dale and Flash stay at a hotel. Do not speak to each other until they get on that airplane, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this movie lasts what seventy two hours, maybe. Classic. Now, this. She's yeah. in love. Yeah. Um. Yep. He proposes or like makes a crack about them having kids, and she thinks they're engaged. Um. I mean, like he's like they've literally been hanging out for like an hour, and he's holding her hand. They go into the throne room, and he looks at Princess Aura, and she's like, "Hey, I'm standing right here." It's hey, like, I'm your girlfriend. I, I, he doesn't really know you. <laughs> you know, in, in all like honesty. That alien chick. You got a human chick right here. Yeah, but that, you know, that whole relationship, I mean, we're supposed to just roll with it, and it wasn't set up. Yeah. Well, I, I agree totally with Jamie, and I, actually that's even on my pants list. Um, you know, just the characterization of Dale in general uh, was really all over the place. Uh you know, you had, you know, Dale Arden with Kung Fu Grip and Ninja Skills. Uh, <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> yeah, when, when she does the little, uh, you know, kind of flip there. Yeah, but then you've got the the one that just literally jumps into his arms after two minutes into the movie. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's really strange as far as, as her. I don't know if it's just her acting or if it's the way that, that she's kind of pulling the script in. Because it was really uneven with her, and it made that was probably the toughest part for me was just kind of watching her and the way they just kind of changed her back and forth. I mean, to the mm-hmm. point. Uh, I mean, I've got in my notes pillow fight. Really? Yeah. You know. Uh, you know? Yeah. I, I think this is probably where those scenes are showing where they had the two different scripts. 
where they yeah. had the different tones they were going for. I think this is where the scenes are really showing. Like the difference yeah. between the pillow fight and Ninja Dale. I mean, yes. those can't be the same person. <laughs> and they happen within what? Three to five minutes of each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she was just an emotional wreck. You know, you, you had no idea what she was going to do next. If she was going to kick some tail or if she's going to b- burst out crying. Yeah. I've got just a weird one. This is a one-line thing that just it struck me. So when Clytus gets to the Hawkman Palace, I love that he's dropped off by his space Uber. Yeah. Did you notice that? They just roll up, he gets out, and it drives away. Drives away. It was he's too got- expensive to leave it sitting there. <laughs> you know. There's no landing party. He doesn't have a bodyguard. He just gets out, and his Uber drives away. <laughs> what is going on? You know, Clytus, I think, was an interesting character anyway. Uh, there were, once again, parts of, of that performance I really liked. And there were other parts that I'm just going, what? <laughs> you know? yeah, I'll tell you what was interesting about Clytus is when uh, he was killed. I mean, that was interesting what came out of that mask. <laughs> I was going to mention that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Why did Clytus and, and Calla melt like the Wicked Witch? That's what I couldn't figure out either. Yeah. So, uh, was he supposed to be their Darth Vader? Was that the plan? Yeah, just the evil, strong henchman, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, with you know, had the mask. That you know, they had a lot of like skull motif stuff going on there. So, he, he kind of felt like they were trying to do a Darth Vader, but with like an Agamemnon mask on him or something. Um, just for like a, a different visual cue, but like the same kind yeah. of. Of course, then they kill him, which is a strange decision if you're trying to set up another Darth Vader. But. And his eyeballs, like, melt out. And, <laughs> yeah, and his yeah, funky tongue thing, whatever. Was I made you, I made Well, uh, speaking of Clytus melting, guys, I was doing uh, a little bit of research here on the side. Uh, as I hope you'll be happy to find out that uh, Peter Wingrade uh, passed away last year at the advanced age of 90. So Clytus lived a long, hopefully healthy and happy life. It's <laughs> good, Dan. Uh, well, I thought, I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, he wasn't, yeah. I mean, there's some problems with this cast. Um, yeah. That's actually my next note. Um, so our three, maybe I'm not sure who we count as the main leads, but like the two main ones are Dale and flash. Um, I would have maybe worked harder on the casting. Um, I, I, I see. I think that Sam J. Jones probably can't act. Like, <laughs> like yeah, he's thought, incapable. Yeah, I think that she maybe didn't know like what they were going for. Like that may have been a direction problem. I, I felt like that right. she was going for something, mm-hmm. um, and was just, you know, making mistakes. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. True. But like our two main leads are miscast or yeah. being poorly directed or something. And that's the hard. I mean, you can't get those wrong. I mean, those are your two main characters. You, uh, And then like Maxwell inside out did great. He was great. His name. Uh, I know that's a problematic, you know, character now, but he's killing that role. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Timothy Dalton is awesome. Uh, he does a good job in this. I'm not even the biggest Timothy Dalton fan. He's good in this. Um, but yeah, your two main leads are either miscast, misdirected, or incapable. 
And that's a problem. Well, you know, Sam Jones was cast after they saw him on the dating game. Yeah, he was purely image. I think I think they said he looks like Flash. Let's see if he'll do it, you know. Well, he had I I don't want I know we try to stay family friendly on the show, but he had um, had a large picture in a certain magazine. He did. Also, yes. Yeah, I think maybe helped him get this role too. Mm-hmm. May explain it may explain some of the wardrobe they put him in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It did. Uh, yeah, but that I mean that's just that's a problem. Because, I mean, every scene has one of them in it. Well, we were talking about some plot holes. And one of the biggest ones for me is the entire scene with Flash and Baron playing chicken, essentially, with the Wood Beast. Yeah. It was kind of a useless scene because they end up fighting anyway. (laughs) So we take all this time with them walking around, you know, doing this manly sticking my arm in the wood beast, you know, layer here, you know, which scared me to death as a child to keep in mind. I would not stick my hand back in anything I could not see for many years after watching this. But, um, <laughs> but I just thought it was a useless scene because it didn't do anything except get basically give flash an excuse to, you know, kind of go toe to toe with him and then fight him later. So it was kind of a, a wasted scene as far as movement of the plot, I thought. If you think about it, he fights his ally, his primary ally, twice, mm-hmm. and there's no fight with his enemy. Like, yeah. there's, there should have been some kind of swashbuckling sword fight with Ming at the end. He just gets speared by a spaceship. Yeah, he crushes the spaceship into him. <laughs> but, but, his, but his buddy, like, who ends up, kind of his, his, ends up being his like main pal, fought him mm-hmm. twice, never fights yep. him back again. This is true. This is true. All right, gentlemen, have we have we panned this thing enough? We're ready to uh, to shower some awards on here. Show this thing a little love so. again. Sure. Jamie's reluctantly agreeing. in the awards, though. <laughs> <laughs> So here we go. All right. So for our best, uh, for our first award, we're going to go with best performance. Uh, Sammy, who was your best performance? You know, and then you alluded to this already. Uh, Max Van Sydow as Ming. I mean, he just did an awesome job. I mean, he, he just chewed up the scenery. He embodied exactly what Ming should be. And every time he's on the screen, you just can't help but just kind of watch and and just go, yeah, like this. So to me, it's definitely Max Ben Sato. Dwayne, what you got? Sammy, you are not wrong. I think you're probably more right. But I wanted to give some love to Timothy Dalton because okay. even though uh, he his character was kind of – you know, malaligned and not really, I don't think given the best to do with, uh, he really tried to do good with this character. And I, I, I enjoyed his portrayal and he tried to act him earnestly. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Timothy Dalton. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Timothy Dalton's mustache. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that thing is on point. 
great looking stash all the way through this thing. Uh, and, and even though in multiple scenes he gets cut on the face or his shoulders or his back, the cuts move around like all over the place from one second to the next. Cuts are everywhere. The mustache never moves. It's it's there. Perfect. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going. I'm, I'm going with Timothy Dalton though. I just I thought you know like your character makes no sense. There's no consistent characterization. You have no, no motivations that make any sense. But Timothy Dalton was he was giving it his all, and it was a good yeah. performance. And yeah, he was from scene to scene. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I do want to say I'd, I've always thought that in The Princess Bride, there was nobody else who could play Wesley, that Carrie Elvis was the only person that could do it. But after watching Timothy Dalton's performance in this movie, Timothy Dalton may have been able to pull off Wesley. Mm. And that his mustache, yeah, and his mustache never moved. Carrie Elvis has moved all over the place. All over <laughs> the place. So what you're really saying there, Jamie, is Timothy Dalton should have been in Tombstone. Ooh, yes, we could have written in. We could have made some, history, some, some uh, false history and written in an English character. Yeah. yeah there we go. Yeah. Of course, I mean, the... tombstone level mustaches, that's a whole nother level, though. That's all, yeah. Uh, Maybe all right, that's so, going to have to uh, make our way into awards at some point. Yeah. Uh, so our next award is, once again, this is a this is a sci-fi movie, so we're going with our, uh, our spaceship rule, I guess. So, <laughs> so spaceships are involved. We want Dwayne to fix something without a spaceship. We have to make him do it. So let's uh, <laughs> let's get the spaceships out of the way. Dwayne, what's your best scene with a spaceship? Best scene with a spaceship. I love when the Hawkmen are assaulting Ajax through the cloud, and they and they fly through, and then you have the Queen music just rip up this, you know, this kick and guitar riff, and then they start solo, and and Hawkmen are dying and burning, and the lasers are going, and they're trying to set these uh, radio controlled bombs, and uh, I love that. I love that scene. Right, Sammy. Yeah, I'm gonna second that. That's also what my favorite scene involving the ships is is that attack on the Ajax. And, you know, there's just so many little nods, I think, to them kind of like you said, coattails of Star Wars with the way that the commander is kind of calling the shots with all that. But then like I said, just just all that that whole army of Hawkmen coming down, once again, just Brian Blessed at at, at his over the top best. You know, um, even the little quirky joke, are you okay? No, they just winged me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a different scene. Um, I'm going to go with, um, it starts off at the end of, I guess it's the tail end of the scene you all picked, but it's when uh, Flash is flying the uh, his suicide run. He's kamikaze into the... Uh, that just that it ends with the nose of the ship through Ming's chest. That made me, I know it wasn't supposed to, but I laughed so hard that that's how that flight ended. So that's my best scene with a spaceship. You know, Jamie, jumping on that, I love how, <laughs> how space physics work. That you have this, you know, this million pound vessel crashing through the city everything stays still enough and the impact doesn't move even the tip of the ship going through you know, your main <laughs> enemy uh, yeah so um 
So the best scene without spaceships. Uh, Sammy, you want to go first on this one? Sure. Uh, you know, I love the scene where Flash and Prince Baron do their little battle. And I think part of it is, is the action. Uh, I, I know it, it's just old school, tr- you know, let, let's keep upping the ante. Now let's put spikes. Okay, now let's make it tilt. Now let's, you know, there's just something about it. That I just love that scene. And once again, Voltan's commentary through the whole thing, give me that thing. And he starts twisting it. And, you know, I just love that. I just I laugh at it as well as, as you know just kind of I don't know smile with glee sometimes in that scene. So I picked the exact same scene and and I and I just to add a little bit to there I love that like everybody else he loses his remote and has to hunt for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Wait, did you have a different one? No, in all honesty, this is going to be three for three. Uh, from the time I was a kid, from the time I was a kid, this was my favorite part of the thing. When they're, when they're in the Hawkman's realm and they're fighting there on the remote control platform, uh, it's it was just always caught my eye. You know, that's that's just, I mean, and sadly, that's the best scene. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to read you my exact quote from my notes. I'm a little less enthusiastic than you guys are. Here's how my notes read. The fight on the disc, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, uh, best quote is our next one. I'm going to go first and get out of the way. I know this is the wrong answer, um, but it made me laugh. And I think it was Sam Jones's best delivery line delivery in the entire movie so they're on not indoor and uh the princess is uh, i forget what she did she did something with uh with uh, timothy dalton there and he looks around and goes does anyone ever trust her twice (laughs) that made me laugh so hard and i think i really think it was his best line delivery in the whole movie it was good that made me laugh Dwayne, what was your best quote I really, I mean, there are so many that's cringeworthy. <laughs> there are so many that's just kind of cheesy. The thing about the quotes in this movie that always gets my attention is how they're constantly keeping this countdown for Earth. Here's how many hours. So they're saying these, I love you, Flash. I love you, Dale, but we only have 14 hours to save the Earth. You know, Hawkman, we have to attack this thing, but there's three minutes left, you know. <laughs> And it's just the it's just the always quoting the time. You know, how much time do we have left to save the earth? That's that's my favorite situation with the quotes is is that they'll deliver a, a you know dialogue and then be like, oh, we're this much closer now. You know, which I've I've got a question about that. I, I meant to mention this in pan and I forgot. So if the countdown is for when the moon connects with the surface of the earth. If the moon is only three minutes from connecting with the surface of the Earth, does it matter anymore? Everyone's already dead. Yeah, yeah. The the tidal forces I mean... have already ripped the crust <laughs> from the, you know, <laughs> the oceans have evaporated. <laughs> you know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, obviously they don't, you know, Newtonian physics doesn't work <laughs> with pushes and pulls in this universe. So... The idea of every action with has an equal and opposite reaction doesn't really work in uh, yep. Flash. So. Yeah. Anyway, 
Sammy, what's your best quote? Okay, you know, we talked about every character under the sun in this movie. So I felt like I really had to give my favorite quote to Dr. Zarkov. Because we've not mentioned the doc in this at all, okay? And he does this so matter-of-fact, and it makes me laugh when they're going, how are we going to get out? Maybe we can drop down to the the, the surface of Arborea. No, no, no. A bunny reaches maximum velocity within a few hundred feet. (laughs) So deadpans that. (laughs) I loved it. Uh, my favorite Zarkon quote is a different one. Uh, I, I hate love it. Um, it's when he's explaining how he survived the experiment on his brain. Like, Even one Beatles I, song. That's yeah. <laughs> so dumb. That doesn't make any sense. And they didn't even tell us the song. That should have been a pan. I think I watched about 75% of this movie with furrowed brow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good percentage, Jake. Yes, very That's much so. All right, so our our last two awards, um, you're going to be able to guess who um, who added these two to the list. There's a little bit of snark on here. Um, so the best moment saved by the Queen soundtrack. Uh, Dwayne, what did you think was saved by the Queen soundtrack? I don't know if it was saved by the Queen soundtrack, but it being my most favorite part of the movie uh, included this Queen soundtrack is the assault on the Ajax. That guitar riff is just so energetic. That little section of Queen music just gets me cranking every time. Um, That is the best Queen when they're just rocking it completely out. See, I've got the exact same thing, and I've got a slightly different take on it than you, though. If you watch this movie with the sound off and just watch that scene, mm-hmm. it's about 50% too long. It's yep. super repetitive. There's dudes in the same uniforms running up and down identical hallways in different directions more than once. It's over mm-hmm. and over again. The Hawkmen do the same junk over and over again. If it wasn't for the awesome Queen music playing over that, that would have been too long, boring, and repetitive. Queen well, now you saved know, that, scene. that scene. Well, you know, I always wondered, due to Brian Blessed's uh, delivery and, ah, you know, just his accent there, I never could tell if he was saying first wave dive or die. I wasn't sure either. <laughs> I believe it's dive. Yeah, I think it's dive. I was after hoping this, it was dive. <laughs> after, dive this, yes. after this viewing, I think that's what it is. Yeah. But, you know, um, I. Sam, I'm not sure how your DVD is, but my DVD is very basic. It's like a, it's like a half a step up from VHS. Mm-hmm. There's no special features, no bonus materials. There's not even subtitles on this thing. See, mine Real has sub- subtitles because okay. mine is the Savior of the Universe edition. Okay. So it does have subtitles. <laughs> Nothing else but subtitles. Nothing else. Okay. Well, here's what someone needs to do, and I will take the, you know, I will take the intellectual portion of that check. <laughs> if anybody would like to release this on an upcoming DVD, Blu-ray release, 4K, whatever, give us a mix of this movie with the movie and the Queen soundtrack, and that's it. No dialogue. Not even really sound effects or maybe subdue them a little bit, but no dialogue, just Queen soundtrack in the movie. I I was kind of hoping that was an option 
as, as I was pressing play. Fortunately, it's not been that way yet. But Sammy, we're we're skipping all around you. What is your <laughs> moment uh, uh, saved by the Queen? Sounds well. I just have to say, the football fights <laughs> could have been so much worse without, without Queen. <laughs> Not even Queen was enough to say this. In the throne room. You're, you're going to find fewer, you know, bigger Queen fans than me still breathing. Um, queen wasn't enough to save that scene. Can you imagine without that Queen music behind it? That would have been no. even more ridiculous. No. I refuse to contemplate a universe where that happened. <laughs> That's unbearable. That's a travesty. <laughs> oh. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, so, uh, Jamie, do you want to tell us our last award, my friend? Sure. <laughs> like, like I said, our <laughs> listeners can guess who came up with these. The last award is the best thing you know isn't actually good, but you love it anyway. Um, Dwayne, you want to go first? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm dying over here, guys. <laughs> this is probably, even though this is an awful movie, this is probably one of the funnest episodes we've had. <laughs> and, and we've had some, and we've had some fun on these episodes. Uh, the the thing that I know is no good, but I love anyway. Jamie, grab onto your table, the throne room scenes. <laughs> it's it's no good. The football stuff is awful, but I love all of the world building that you see there. Uh, you know, all of the different costumes, all the different characters, all the different races and dynamics there. Just the world building for that makes me love it so much. And it's not a good scene. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of something that Sammy was talking about earlier. Um, I'm going with Zoltan the Hawkman. Um a dude that's in the same shape as me should not be wearing a leather Speedo. Um, the gold wings and the big, you know, bushy beard like he's Hagrid from uh, from you know from Harry Potter. None of that should work. And he is so over the top. I think he's the only dude on the entire set that knew what movie they were really making. <laughs> and and he and he went for it. And I know it's probably not good. But I wanted more scenes with him in it. I loved him. Every scene he was in, I loved and wished he just would stop, you know, walking off screen. So just imagine if the two sequels that were optioned actually had happened. <laughs> we could have had more Prince Voltan. Yeah, when that question mark showed up after the end... At the end, I was like, oh, that was never going to happen. <laughs> hey, Sam, Sam Jones, like, sued because he was wanting to make to get those movies made. I think well, that, he I mean, still wants to get them made and yeah, still probably. be Flash. Did you, did you notice that, like, there was times when the uh, when his voice was weird? He was fighting with Dino DeLaurentiis over money and oh, refused yeah. to come in and do the, uh, the, the voice work. And so no. they had to – he's so like – 60% of his lines are dubbed by a different person. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, Sammy, what's your best thing that you know isn't actually good, but you love it anyway? 
And once again, I'm actually going to go with what Jamie said. I think the Hawkman, you know, I, I've shown my love for this, for Brian Blessed <laughs> on this, but the Hawkman on this, even in DC Comics, Hawkman's one of my favorite characters, right? Yep. So, but it's just one of those things. And, and the more I read about this, I just, it made me laugh even more. They could not sit with the wings on. It dug into their backs. So they would just lay on their bellies. <laughs> On the ground when they need to <laughs> That's awesome. I can just imagine all these guys laid out. <laughs> Big so, gold links. So that's but, why so yeah. many of them are going down wounded at that the ship. They're just trying to get some rest. Probably. Like, Hallelujah, I can lay here. I got killed. And you know the one guy, Hero, was it who got shot? He had the one of the bombs, and Flash takes the the rocket cycle down, and he says, "I'm gonna go help Hero," and he's laying there like he's dying. And then the next, and then Flash helps him up. In the next scene, he's running around shooting people in the cockpit. Remember, he just got winged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But yeah, the Hawkman definitely are one of those things that just doesn't look good, but you just love it. So. I got kind of a flying monkey from the Wizard of Oz vibe from some of those guys, too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Probably the same uh, special effects going on there. So. I, th- I think it was where the wings were t- way too small for their body mass. I just Something about that reminded me of the Wizard of Oz. Yep. Again, physics not working in science fiction. Right. <laughs> Okay. Well, guys, this is such a beauty of cinema. This mo- this movie uh, has been such a spectacle of cinema. How does this go toward our beloved Keanu? I mean, where can we link up these two most awesome things of pop culture? Well, I was terrified. Um, we've had some problems with older movies, trying to find a Keanu connection. And so I was nervous. And so as I looked at this movie, I kept thinking, okay, Who's had a real nice career? <laughs> Who's been in a lot of stuff? Because I don't want to spend a lot of time on on Flash Gordon's Keanu connection. I refuse to do a deep dive for this thing. Well, I think it's going to be uh, relatively easy if you think about it for a minute. Yeah, it was. It was my first look. I'm like, Timothy Dalton's been in a bunch of junk. I already knew it wasn't Max von Sydow for my Force Awakens nightmare that I had a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. Uh, so, like, Timothy Dalton, I'm looking at him right off the bat. First guy, I mean, it took me 30 seconds to find the Keanu connection this week. So Timothy Dalton's had a long and storied career. Uh, made a couple of Bond movies. Not my favorite. Um, had a great turn in Hot Fuzz. We've uh, we've already gushed over his performance in Hot Fuzz on this, uh, on this show. But most recently, he was in Toy Story 4 playing a character named Mr. Pickle Pants. Pickle Pants, yeah. Pickle, or is it Prickle? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Keanu was in that too. There's your Keanu connection. That's all I got. <laughs> yes. The uh yep, the uh, actor thespian hedgehog, Mr. Pickle Pants. Yes. Uh, playing uh in uh with Bonnie's toys. And we have of course Keanu being uh, Duke Kaboom. Yeah, that's more appropriate when I thought it said pickle pants. I was a little I was confused by that. I'm like, how did that get past this? <laughs> that doesn't seem appropriate. Yep. So there within 
Timothy Dalton pulls it out again for our Keanu connection. So apparently Timothy Dalton kept this thing afloat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Gentlemen, do we have anything uh, that we would like to share for our keeping it 100s? I believe so. Yes, sir. Uh, Sammy, do you want to go first? Yep. I've got mine ready to roll, gentlemen. All right. Okay, and I'm starting. So my Keep It at 100 uh, is kind of going back to my comic book roots and kind of my DC side. Um, You know, we've talked about Brian Blessed and my love of Doctor Who and all this kind of stuff. But in DC, there's a great British character that I'm always drawn to, and that is John Constantine. And recently, they have brought Constantine back into a more Vertigo-esque world. So it's not the regular DCU. So he's now going to be under DC's Black Label. And they came up with it, and they're tying him in with the Sandman universe. So Sandman universe presents Hellblazer. And this is John Constantine at his best. Simon Spurrier is the writer. Uh, Marcio Takara is the artist. And this is classic, weird, twisted, fun John Constantine. Um, Spurrier was, was asked to say something about the book. And this is his quote. So I will apologize if I offend anyone. They asked me for a quote about how great John Constantine is and how I'm honored to write him. Bollocks. He's given me a stomach ulcer. Hey, 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 language, language, language. Just read the bloody comic so he leaves me alone. So that says it all right there. Uh, This is going to be an ongoing series. I would definitely check out Hellblazer under the new DC Black Label. Hey, Dwayne. Sam, you said bollocks. I'm going to have to edit that out. No, no, no. Those are only swears across the pond. We're all good. Oh, oh yeah, we're American. Those don't count. Yeah. And I said bloody also. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're trying to be family friendly. All right. um, I'm ready. Are you ready, Dwayne? Okay. Uh, Whatever. You can go ahead and go. Okay. I've got an an easy one. Timely one. Okay. Disney Plus just dropped, right? Yep. Um, so we all heard and rushed to watch The Mandalorian, right? Nope. X-Men the Animated Series was <laughs> the first thing I, I played. And my youngest daughter wanted to watch it. And I honestly, over the years, have kind of stayed away because I had such fond memories of this show. I was a little afraid that it wasn't going to be any good. Um, G.I. Joe scarred me. I went back and tried to show my kids G.I. Joe a few years ago and doesn't hold up. Rough. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, I was afraid the animation wasn't going to be as good um, as I remember. It's still pretty good. Um, animation's okay. Um, the voice acting is uneven, but some of the voice acting is really good. Um, but I'm one thing I'm really impressed by, and I want to highlight, is how much they trust the kids to just keep up. Um, the stories move really fast. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters. There's storylines that go in and out. They re- revisit episodes later. And they just trust kids to be able to keep up. And most cartoons won't do that. They spoon feed mm-hmm. kids or they give them a storyline that's too simple. So I was kind of impressed uh, going back with how, how good the show really was. Um, and that it kind of, you know, I wasn't ashamed to show this one from, from my childhood to my kids now. And so X-Men the Animated Series. Once you get caught up on The Mandalorian, check out X-Men the Animated Series. It's as good as you remember. And we all know from that series, Wolverine goes where he wants to go. 
that's one of the best voice actors, though. He's really good. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Gambit. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I'm really glad that that holds up. And, uh, you know, they're, they're only dropping The Mandalorian once a week. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have plenty of time to catch up with lots of, of stuff in between. So uh, that's really great. Well, guys, I'll go ahead with mine. Now, now I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to take a, a note from our graphically novel friends here. I'm going to cheat a little bit and give two because we're talking about Flash Gordon being a Star Wars ripoff from the early 80s and stuff. Um, I'm going to talk about Buck Rogers from the 24th century with, uh, from that same era and Battlestar Galactica, the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh, probably one of my favorite Star Wars uh, stand-ins was Battlestar Galactica. Um, Buck Rogers having a Hawkman also, Sam. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you remember that or not. Yeah. But uh, they're not good shows. They're just great, cheesy, rip-off sci-fi stuff. And just get you buttery popcorn Get you a chunk of cheese and sit down and enjoy 70s and 80s over the topness. Great hair, cheap special effects, and it is what it is. So, you know, when you when you want to get in an era after watching Flash Gordon, it's going to bring back some memories. So just, you know, go to your, uh, you know, half-price books or whatever. Go to the DVD section. I'm sure some people's turned these series back in and you can probably pick them up for real cheap. So check those out. That's my recommendation for keeping it 100. And you even have Tweaky, which is a flat-out 3PO ripoff. <laughs> and he's well, he's a 3PO ripoff, but he's the size of R2 and trying to do the beep 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 sound effects. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they didn't actually have a sound effect. They just had a dude go beady beady. Beep 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 Even yeah. Yeah. They they didn't even waste the money on the synthesizer. Yeah. So he's like, okay, are you guys going to put this in later or do I just do it? They said, just do it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and they said, I'm glad, Close enough. I'm glad you mentioned the hair from Metro Galactica. When I think of that show, the two things I think of are the hair and the Cylons. <laughs> yep. That's the Dirt, only yep. thing that stick out to me. Yep. Between Richard Hatch's and Derek Benedict's hair. You know, the Aquanet flow in there. I mean, you know, I'm glad in some of those supply ships they had the Aquanet. That's you right. Know, the white rain conditioner. All right. Well, let's 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 move on from this travesty and uh, move on to another one. Sammy, what did you pick next? <laughs> you, you can tell these guys are looking forward to next year when we start round robining these movies. <laughs> All right, so our next quest is going to be our last, if I remember correctly, our last Mm -hmm. Star Wars discussion before The Rise of Skywalker. And since we will be in the month of December, even though it came out in November, uh, it is only right that we revisit the Star Wars holiday special before we say goodbye to our year of Star Wars. Yeah. So we will visit the holiday special. We will be coming fresh off of life day. Guys, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I've watched almost everything. Star Wars. I've read tons of the books thus far in my life. 
I have managed to not watch the holiday special. <laughs> I had refused for decades to watch the holiday special. You've got Thank to you. at least one time. I had to bring this gift to you. Merry Christmas, Jamie. <laughs> and especially with the. Uh, Especially with the Mandalorian coming out, you have the cartoon that uh, you know introduced us to Boba Fett. And uh, for all accounts, we have quite a few callbacks, especially in the first episode, to that cartoon uh, of the Mandalorian. Uh, there, so yes. that's a and little thing to look things. for. And other things. No spoilers. And, you know, and Jamie, you've never lived until you've seen B. Arthur seeing everyone out of her space bar. Yep. I feel like I've lived. Um, <laughs> we'll see how the next episode goes. Just, just wait. Itchy is the best part. See, I've heard all of these jokes for years and never wanted to know the basis for them. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you would like to check that out with us before our next uh, review episode, we'll be having a news episode coming in the interim there. So I don't think we can do anything except what our motto is after watching flash gordon and going right into the holiday special so jamie what do we got to do we got to keep it super nerdy now